How about now? He lays down to sleep. Nothing happens till you go to sleep anyway. Um, he's tired. He's exhausted. It's been a long day. And he finds himself just dropping off into a deep sleep. And then suddenly he just, he, he's jolted awake. And he, he sits up and he looks around trying to get his bearings. Where is he? What's going on? And he realizes where he is. And takes a breath, his adrenaline is pumping, his heart is pumping. He goes, man, that's same dream. Been having that dream, like, seems like every night for the last 40 years. The same dream, I'd see the same face. I see that guy, and he's so angry, and there's so much hatred in his face as he looks at me, and he says, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? I, I, I wish I could get his face out of my memory bank, but I, I find myself waking up with that same dream. Can't handle it. And then, and then, then this, this bush is burning, and I come over, and it's, it's his God talking to me, telling me he wants me to go back to them. I mean, these guys are insolent, irresponsible, self-serving. Those Hebrews, I tried that with them already. I, I tried helping them. They want nothing to do with me. They don't get it. And it cost me everything. I've been out here in the wilderness for 40 years. He thinks I'm going back there? No way. There's no way. Do you ever feel like that where something happens and you just find yourself reliving it? You find yourself waking up because you had a dream about what just... And they say that, that, that when we have experiences, if we're, if, if we're bitter about somebody and we relive, relive some experience that happened, that when we do that, our subconscious doesn't know if it's actually happening or if we're just reliving it. And so we relive it like it's just happened. And so when things happen in our life and we relive those, it's like we're, we're giving ourselves permission to go through that same pain over and over and over again. And, and I don't know what went on in Moses' life for the last 40 years, but I could imagine. I could imagine if I was Moses, what I would be feeling. I could imagine having that dream where I wake up and, and everything that I lived for for 40 years gets snatched out of my grasp just like that because one person wouldn't let me help them when I was trying to do the right thing for them. And my whole life is ruined because I try to do what is right for some insolent people that don't appreciate it. And so as we go through this, I want us to kind of look at what happens when we're paralyzed by the past. What happens when the, you know, things happen in our past and it just becomes paralyzing for what we want to do in the future? And so let's just do a little bit of review just to kind of get us up to speed with where we're at. If you haven't been here for the last three weeks, um, you're going to get the cliff notes. That way you don't even have to listen to the messages on uh, graystory.com. So we, we, we started talking about perceptions and how perceptions lead us to self-talk, which leads us to behavior. And when we have a perception of what's going on, we start talking to ourselves about what it is that we think is happening. And based on that conversation with what we have with ourselves, we, have a, we, we behave a certain way. 
and we can talk to ourselves like 1,200 words per minute. So imagine what, um, you know, we talked about the Israelites and the Israelites' perception, and we looked at different things. You know, we looked at their perception of Moses. I mean, the per- their perception of Moses probably wasn't the same as Moses' perception. I mean, think about this. Moses is a Hebrew. He, he was born just like them, and he gets to grow up in, in, the, in the palace. I mean, he gets to be like living in splendor. I mean, he, he has it made. And where are we? We're out here slaving away. I mean, who is going to like Moses? Who's going to go, yeah, high five Moses, man. And he trouts around in his, his chariots and stuff while we're all slaving away. So you can understand why somebody may not really appreciate when Moses is trying to help him because their perception of what's going on um, may not allow them to do that. And it happens all the time where we have a perception of something and based on that perception, we talk to ourselves about it. And then based on that self-talk, we behave in certain ways. In fact, we may even, in a conversation, perceive that somebody's meaning something that they're not even meaning, right? And so we're sitting there listening to what they're saying, going, well, God, this person's a rotten little, you know, and, and then we get mad. It's, and all of it's driven that way. So we look at how that kind of drove this whole situation. And we look at how positive perceptions actually change things in a positive way. Whereas, whereas Moses' mother has this perception of God that God's bigger than her circumstances, right? God can do things that are out of her control. And she has this baby who's a beautiful baby. And she goes, this baby, I, this baby, there's more in the life of this baby than just having somebody kill it or throw it in the mile. So she makes a little basket, puts him in the Nile, you know, puts him out there. Pharaoh's daughter grabs her. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh, uh, Moses now is being raised in the palace. Why? Because his mother had a different perception, talked to herself about what she needs to do to try to help this baby, and then ended up behaving in a way that was different from possibly a lot of the other mothers in that situation where her baby actually survived. So perceptions can give us positive or negative results based on whether we have perceptions that are positive or negative. And then we talked about the fact that that those perceptions um, really... um, can hinder what God wants to do because we talked about the Israelites. And remember, the Israelites were prospering, right? They were multiplying in Egypt. And, and that's a good thing because God told them that they would multiply. And so they were just doing what God was telling them to do. They were growing. They were multiplying. You know, God told Abraham, hey, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky more than the sands in the seas. So that, what was happening was, was, was what God wanted to happen. The, the problem was, was that they were multiplying where? those of you who were here three weeks ago. In Egypt, right? Where were they supposed to multiply? The promised land. Were they in the promised land? No, they're in Egypt. Where do they like to be? They liked Egypt. Egypt was nice. It was comfortable. It was fertile. They had all kinds of good stuff happen in Egypt. We had no desire to leave here. And so God's purpose was for them to be in the promised land. God even promised that he was going to take them there. The problem was they didn't want to go. And so what did he have to do? He had to kind of prepare them for the transition. I know you like it here. I know this is a really good place, but I have some place that's better for you. So we're going to go through this transition. And so a new pharaoh comes up, sees these people multiplying, and goes, wow, these people are a threat. If our enemies ever came in and, and became allies with these people, we would be toast. And so he makes them slaves, and he starts making them um, you know, work and, and uh, put them under bondage. And so then we found last Sunday that God took the initiative now to come to Moses, and he says, Moses, I have a plan for you. I have something I want you to do. And, and I want you to know, Moses, I'm not just one of the gods in Egypt that you're familiar with. 
one of the many gods that you were taught about when you were learning things in Egypt. I am the one and only true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of gods, the Lord of lords. I'm the God that's going to do some stuff in you that's, that's, that's beyond your imagination. And by the way, um, he gives them a promise that he's going to be with them, that not only is he going to call them, but he's going to be with them to make sure that what he calls them happens. So now you're caught up, okay? So here we are in, in um, Exodus 4, and we're looking at, at Moses, who's somebody who really is paralyzed by his past. His past, I think, continually haunts him, and he continually is paralyzed by it. And we're going to look at several things that happen in Moses' life as a result of the fact that he can't let go of his past. And I think we can draw some good correlations to our lives today as we look at Moses and as Moses grows as a person and, the, and grows in what God is doing in his life. So let's turn together to Exodus 4 if you're not already there. And we're going to read verse 1. Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the first thing we see when we're paralyzed by the past is that we just doubt God. And you may go, well, that's a pretty logical question. I mean, why would you, why would you say that, that that's something that is incorrect or wrong? Why, why would you say that Moses would ask that question and, and be paralyzed by his past by asking that question? That's just a logical question. What if they don't believe me or won't listen to me? Well, if you were here last Sunday and you stayed awake through the whole message, you would know that when Moses was talking to God and Moses says, well, who am I that I should go? And God said, well, you know, I'm going to go with you. And so basically he said to Moses, hey, it's really not about you, it's about me. So it's not about whether you can do it or not, it's about the fact that I can do it. And then um, in, in, in verse 18 of, of chapter 3, God told them that the leaders, that they said this, he said, they will pay heed to what you say. He, he tells them exactly what's going to happen. And then he says, oh, and the leaders are going to listen to you. The leaders are going to pay attention to what you say. So basically what Moses said to God is, so God, what if you're wrong? It's basically what he's saying. I know you told me that they're going to listen, but really, what if they don't? See, he, just, he, he couldn't believe that what God was saying was true. So either he didn't listen to God or he didn't believe God, and either one really isn't all that good, is it? Because think about it, he sees the burning bush. God says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. I am almighty God. I'm the God of God, the Lord of Lord, the kings of kings. And, and I'm going to do a, a, amazing things through you. This divine encounter that he has to, to display that he is God really doesn't leave a lot of room for Moses to say, but, right? And you think, well, how can, how can, he, how can he say, well, yeah, but, but what if they don't listen? Well, I already told you they were going to listen. Yeah, but what if they really don't? And, and I had to ask myself, you know, how many times do we do, we do that? Yeah, that yeah, but. You know, do we ever do that? Where God says to us, he says, you know, you really should be more loving. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, you really should love your wife like I love the church. Oh, yeah, but, but you weren't married to my wife. I mean, well, you really should serve your husband and submit to your husband. But you, this guy's a knucklehead. I mean, I mean, you really should love that neighbor next door. Well, yeah, but, you know, they don't mow their lawn. Come on, God. I mean, we just are full of these yeah buts, you know. You really need to forgive that person. 
Yeah, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Well, you know, you really should make me a priority. You really should get to know me on a deeper level. You really should put the time aside to get to know me so that you really understand what I have to offer you. Yeah, but, you know, I'm so busy, God. I have so much stuff going on. I really don't have time for that. And Sundays, you know, Sundays, I mean, I know it's a good worship service. I know these guys talk about some good stuff. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the game of the week is on Sunday morning. And I hate replays because I want to know exactly what's happening when it's happening. <laughs> you know, you really need to honor me with your money. Yeah, but God, you don't understand. You know, I got this, and then I just bought a new car, and I got bills, and you know, I want to take this trip, and you know, you know how it is, God. I mean, you really should come to men's Bible study. Yeah, but you know, it's. It's Dave, and he's there, and I'm sick of listening to him on Sundays and Saturdays, and that's just, that's too much work. You should really go to that woman's retreat. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know anybody, and, you know, I don't know. God, you just, do we do that? I mean, are we like the the king and queens of yeah, buts? And, And it's not that we don't know what God wants us to do, right? We know exactly what he wants us to do. We just go, yeah, but. Yeah, but, God, I no. And so it's easy for us to kind of look at Moses and go, yeah, well, Moses did, you know, he doubted God, but, you know, I have my act together. Yeah, but I don't think so. (laughs) So, you know, Moses doubted God. He says, you know, what if they don't hear me? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And God had already told them that they were going to do that. So not not only does he doubt God, but he doesn't recognize what God's resources are. Because the Lord said to him in verse 10, he says, what's that in your hand? And he said, it's a, it's a rod. And then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. So this thing was nasty. It was bad enough that Moses ran away from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they, and then he says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God, I mean, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I'm going to do this thing. So this isn't just one of the gods of Egypt. This is God. And then he goes on in verse 6 and says, the Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs, take heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the ground which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So here is all of the resources that God has available to Moses to help Moses convince them that he really is from God. But it's easy for us not to recognize these things that God has given us, or the resources that God has given us. He says to Moses, what's in your hand? Moses goes, it's a rod. He says, well, cast it on the ground. And it turns into a snake. It turns into a serpent. It turns into something that's nasty enough that he runs away from it. Okay, and I don't blame him. I hate snakes. Anybody just love snakes? That's awesome. That's awesome. And it, it, it's figures you're in the same family. But I tell you, um, he, he was afraid of it enough that he ran away from it. 
And I, I, I really don't know a lot about snakes. You guys can tell me if this is true or not. But, but I think if you want to pick up a snake, the last place you pick it up from is the tail, right? I mean, you don't pick it up on the tail. What happens to the head if you're holding onto the tail? Yeah, yeah, it's grabbing your hand, and now you're trying to get it off. Okay, so you don't pick it up by the tail, which is pretty interesting because, you know, I'm going to give Moses a little bit of a hard time this morning, but he, he picked it up by the tail. I mean, I would probably have gone, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, God, I know, but can I do the head? So he picks it up by the tail. It's interesting. So he goes and he picks it up. He picks up the serpent and it becomes a rod again. And, and so Moses holds this rod and he goes, wow, that's hot, which is where the word hot rod comes from right? <laughs> so God says, you know, they're going to believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. When they see the sign, when they see this rod, this hot rod become a, a, a serpent, we call that a viper. Ah. <laughs> you know, Doug will be back soon, so just <laughs> hang in there said they will believe. And here's the thing I want us to really get our hands on, is that, and that's not a, sorry about that pun, that was really accident. Um, but you know, we may be sitting here going, you know, God, I want, I want to be used by, I don't know how you want to use me, I know there's something that I can do, but I just don't know what it is. I don't know if they'll listen to me, I don't know if they'll receive it. Now, here, here's what I think God is saying to you this morning, he's saying, you know, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What are you good at? What do you do every day that you're good at? I can use that. See, what did he say to Moses? What's in your hand? It's, a, it's this rod. It's a staff. Well, I can use that. He says, David, what's in your hand? Well, I got this sling. He said, well, I can use that. He says, Paul, what's in your hand? Well, I'm a scholar. I, I, I understand theology. Well, I'm going to put a pen in your hand, and I'm going to let you write out that stuff. He says, Peter, what's in your hand? He goes, well, I have this net. I mean, I was... I fish. He goes, well, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He says, son, what's in your hand? He goes, well, I got five loaves of bread and two fish. So you know what? We can feed 5,000 with those. See, God is asking, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What are you good at? What are you already doing? Hey, I can use that. I can use that. I can multiply that. I can make that happen. You like to teach? Man, I can... I can put you in a place where you can use that gift. Are you somebody that likes to give? Man, we could have you move into a ministry where you can use that gift. Are you somebody that has a gift of mercy? Man, we need people who are merciful around here. Do you have, are you somebody that um, is an encourager? Man, we need encouragers around here. What are you good at? What's in your hand? I can use that. And I think God wants us to recognize that he, there's things that he wants to use. And here's the exciting thing is that the, 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 this, this serpent is something that can be destructive. It can be something that's damaging and that's hurtful. And God says, man, if I can take that and, and get it in your hand, it can be transformed into something that I can use for my glory, something that I can use powerfully. Instead of having to be something that gets used in a destructive manner, I can transform that into something that becomes powerfully used by me. That staff, that rod is what Moses held up when the Red Sea parted. That staff is the one that hit the rock when water came out of it. That staff was one that he held up as the, as the soldiers fought, and they, and they won the battle because the staff was held up. That's what that was called the rod of God. 
says, what's in your hand, Moses? I can use that. I can use that. And, and just as powerfully, God wants to know what's in your hand because I can use that. I can use that for my kingdom powerfully. And then he says, so put your hand in your bosom. And he puts it in, he pulls it out, it's leprous. And he says, put it back in. And, and, and he pulls it out and it's clean. He says, man, I'm a transforming God. Is there something in your life that is just diseased and messed up and hurting? Things that you just don't think will ever get healed that, that is, that's deathly? I can use that. Put it back in. I can transform that into something that I can use. I can use it in a powerful way. And he says, if they still won't believe that, go into the Nile, grab some water out of the Nile, and as you pour it out, it's going to turn to blood. And that is the redemptive process that happens when we take the transformed lives and they take that blood and they spread it over the mantles and the angel of death comes and it passes over. I'm a redeeming God. I'm going to take your life, your life that is hopelessly lost, and I'm going to redeem it. And the blood of Christ that was poured out for us brings redemption for us. Not only are we transformed, we're redeemed and transformed. Amen? Is that good news or is that good news? Praise God. See, we have resources that God has given us, transforming, redemptive resources that God has given us to use us to do miraculous works in His name. And we don't recognize it because we're paralyzed in the past because we go, I did that, I was there, done that, did that, didn't work, sorry, no. And we miss it. We miss what God is trying to tell us and to work in us so that we can be used by Him. Because of things that have happened in the past that's keeping us from recognizing what God is doing today. And then not only do we doubt God, not only do we not recognize His resources, but we lack confidence. And so as we get to verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So Moses is going, well, you know, God, uh, maybe all that stuff's true, but you know, I, I, I just can't talk. I, I, just, I just don't know how to, how to speak, you know, and, and, and who knows, but, but we do know this, and I, I read this a couple Sundays ago, right? In Acts 7, Stephen, who knows what he's talking about, says Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. And then he goes on, he says, and he was a man of power, in words and deeds. Does that sound like somebody who's not very eloquent? Now, it could be that Moses spent 40 days in the wilderness talking to a bunch of sheep, and it could be in Moses' mind that he was saying, you know, I really haven't talked to anybody sophisticated for like 40 years, and maybe over these 40 years I've developed like a bad vocabulary. You know, it's as bad the second time as the first time, huh, Dave? Could be that his perception of who he was becoming was, was, was hindered by his, what he was doing in the, in the wilderness for 40 years because I really don't think that um, Moses saw his, his last 40 years as any kind of preparation. I think Moses saw those 40 years in the wilderness as a total waste of time. 
Because when you look at his conversation with God, there is nothing in that conversation that would lead me to believe that Moses saw any value in what he was doing the last 40 years. In fact, it w- I would almost say that he was way more equipped before that than he is now from Moses' perception, not from God's perception. See, Moses had an issue with self-confidence. And God says, Moses, it's not about self-confidence. It's about God-confidence. Amen? That's not about how good you are, Moses. It's how good I am. Again, let's, let's revisit this. And God's going to revisit this over and over and over again to help Moses begin to understand what he really wants to do. Because when we lack confidence, when we doubt God, when we don't recognize God's resources, we just start arguing with God, don't we? We just start talking to God about how this can't happen. And so much of it is driven by our perceptions and by the fact that we are paralyzed by our past. And we look at our past, and I'm sure Moses, and I, I guess I can't say I'm sure, but if, if I was Moses, I would, here's kind of how I would be thinking. I would be thinking, hey, I did that. That was a colossal failure. I've been in this wilderness for 40 years, and I haven't seen anything that's happened in this last 40 years that would lead me to believe that I'm better equipped now than I was when I had all the resources, when I had the scepter of, the, of, the, of Pharaoh in my hand, when I had the full army of Egypt behind me, when I had everything at my, at my hand to do the work that I was going to do, what would make you think I'm better equipped to do it now than I was then? I've lost everything, everything I had for 40 years, everything I worked for, just trash like that because I tried to do that, God. You ever think that way with God? Tried that, did that, went there, didn't work, not anymore, right? Not going there again. I was a train wreck once, not going to be a train wreck again. See, and I don't think Moses had any idea that God was doing a work in him for 40 years to help him become a leader who was a servant, a leader who was a shepherd, a leader who knew that it wasn't in his control, it wasn't according to his power, it wasn't according to what he could do, but it was according to what God wanted him to do and what God was calling him to do. And again, I really think that when Moses tried it the first time, he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do anyway because all he was trying to do was make things easier for the people in Egypt. His goal was to keep him in Egypt too. That wasn't God's plan. So we often try to do what we think is God's will our way, and it isn't even God's will. And then we go, well, God, I already tried that. It didn't work. He goes, you weren't even close. (laughs) You weren't even on the same universe as far as my will is concerned. Let's see if we can get on the same page here so that we really can begin to work together to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And don't, don't we find ourselves in those positions so often as people? We find ourselves in an experience where maybe it doesn't make sense to this to us. And, and we find out that, that, you know, Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. How many times do we find ourselves in positions where we're weak, where things are out of our control, and I go, I, I, I feel so useless. And we go, this is the biggest waste of time of me being in this situation. And some of us, it may be minutes, it may be hours, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years. And we go, I don't get this. What a waste. Why am I doing this day after day after day after day? And we don't, need, we don't see it. We don't see that in that, in that developing, preparing process, 
God has taken something that I would see as weak and equipping me to be somebody who is strong in the Lord, not strong in myself. Scripture tells us when Jesus is talking to his, his disciples when they started arguing about who's greatest, what did Jesus say? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, what do you have to do? Be a servant of all, right? Do you ever find yourself in a situation where it just seems like you're giving and giving and giving, serving and serving and serving, and you go, this is a waste. I am tired of this. This is useless. This isn't doing any good. I don't see anything good coming out of this thing. Why am I doing this? And yet, Jesus would say, well, man, you're, you're, you're going to be great in the kingdom. You're going to be great in the kingdom. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls onto the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just continually have to die to yourself? Where you continually have to go, you know what, this doesn't feel good, but I know it's right, and I, 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 just, I just have to die to myself. I have to die to my desires. I have to desi- die to what I feel like I need to do. I have to die to myself. And we, and, and we think, what a waste this is. I hate this. It's, it's absolutely doing no good. Nothing good is coming out of this. But Jesus says, if you live that life, you're going to bear much fruit. So I think when we, when, we, when we look at what God is doing, we can have confidence in knowing that God is, 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 is doing a great work. Because the next thing that we see is when we're, when we're um, paralyzed by our past, not only do we doubt God, we don't recognize God's resource, we lack confidence, but we ignore His capabilities. We ignore His capabilities. Because in verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who's made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you're to say. Man, is that good news? So here's God's capabilities. He's going, Moses, you probably hadn't figured this out yet, but you know, I'm like the creator of the universe. I created you. And so I actually could... Do some stuff with your vocabulary, with your language. In fact, he even promises him. He says, in fact, I, I, I'll tell you what, Moses, I will be with you. I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what to say. I'm capable. But sometimes when we're paralyzed, we just, we, we, we just have this, yeah, but... And God is telling Moses, Moses, I have some, some unbelievable things that I want to do in you and through you. Just understand what my capacity is to do whatever you think is a weakness. I will make that a strength. I will be able to use that in a powerful way. And then the final thing that really ends up happening when we really are stuck in the past and we're just absolutely paralyzed by the past is we just flat out become unwilling. And so in verse 13 he says, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. (laughs) You know, God, just send someone else. Okay? Let's just cut to the quick. I'm not going. Don't want to go. No desire to go. 
send somebody else, okay? And so with Moses, really, it wasn't so much a lack of ability as much as it was a lack of willingness, wasn't it? See, Moses' perception was, hey, I'm a failure. I tried that. It didn't work. His self-talk is really all about, I've been there, I've done that, and I'm not going to go do that again. I'm not putting myself through that all over again. And his behavior is, I am going to make as many excuses as I can, and if finally God just gets me so I have no more excuses, I'm just going to tell him, I am not going. Read my lips. Send somebody else. Could you imagine what would happen if God listened to Moses? Think about this. If God would have said, okay, cool, stay here. So he just spends the next 45 years in the wilderness with his sheep. He doesn't part the Red Sea. Somebody else gets to do that. He doesn't lead the people. He doesn't call manna down out of heaven through God's power. He doesn't bring water out of a rock. He doesn't get to walk into God's presence and he's so blown away by it, he walks out and his face is glowing. He has a relationship with God that is like second to none. He misses that. He, he misses having the rod of God being used by him. And by the way, he, he, he still got into the promised land. He did. Because who was in the transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured? Yeah, Moses. He snuck in. And that good news, he got in anyway. He would not have been in the transfiguration. He would have been in the wilderness going, this is cool, I like this. This is bad. Yeah. He would have missed it all. What are we missing because we just don't want to trust God to do stuff in our lives? What are we missing? And so God finally says, okay, I'll tell you what, Aaron's coming. Why don't we just have Aaron be your mouth? Let me see verse 14. And he says, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently and behold, and moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. And you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand his staff, this staff which, um, with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed, went to, went to his dad. So, 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 so Aaron came on. He, he became the person that um, God would use as Moses' mouthpiece. And this is interesting, because this just really blows my mind. And, and I really try to go, okay, how would, I, how would I internalize this? Because it's like, God, God, you can't do this, but Byron can. I mean, I love Byron, but you know, do I have a choice of God or Byron? Yeah, you know, it's close, but yet Byron votes God. Okay, I mean, if you think about it, God, Moses goes, well, you know, I, I really can't trust you, God, but I can trust Aaron. He's my man. Does that even make sense? But that's how we think so often. And what happened, um, you know, with Aaron? I mean, think about it. First of all, um, when, when Aaron moved into that role, God transferred the honor of the priesthood, which would have been on Moses, to Aaron. 
And Aaron really, when you think about it, became more of a problem than a help to Moses. Because what happened with Aaron? When Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and the people all said, hey, we need a God to worship because we don't know if Moses is coming down. Who built the golden calf? Aaron. Who built the altar the golden calf was on? Aaron. Who led the worship service? Oh, that's a good, that's good. I'm glad Moses chose him. Aaron's sons blasphemed God by offering an impure offering, and Aaron, Aaron with, with Miriam was the one who kind of did this open mutiny against Moses, saying, hey, who, who do you think you are that you can talk to God and we can't talk to God? So, so Moses' plan caused him more problems than it, than, it, than it solved. And how often do we go, God, you know, this is a good idea, but if you just let me do this, this, and this, it'll be way better. And I promise you, if that's the plan you put together, it's messed up. Okay? It's messed up. Just go, God, your plan is good. Let's go with it. Okay? As smart as you think you are, God's plan is going to be better. Trust me. I've tried it. It hasn't worked once. Just trust me on that. It just doesn't work. So we see, we see Moses going to Jethro, which is pretty cool because he goes to his dad and he says, father-in-law, say, can I go? And so it shows, you know, he's still submissive to him. I mean, Moses, Moses made some mistakes in this, but Moses had a heart that was the right heart. That's why God was pursuing him so intensely. But, you know, actually, when I read that, I go, you know what Moses really wanted? He went to Jethro and says, hey, can I go to Egypt? And he didn't say anything about God sent him all that stuff. He says, hey, can I go to Egypt because I want to check out how my friends are. You know, he wanted Jethro to say no. <laughs> he goes, if I say this, he'll just say no, you can't go. And then I go, you know, God, you, dad wouldn't let me go, you know, so send Aaron, I'm good. And he goes, yeah, go ahead, go see how they're doing. Moses goes, darn. And then it says that God came to Moses, said, hey, the men that are seeking your life are dead. Tells Moses all the things that are going to happen. Moses finds Aaron. They all talk. Some things happen where Moses kind of needs to learn a few things from God before he moves forward. And then everything that happened when he got there happened just like God said. And it says in verse 31, So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he, had, that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshiped. And so when God's plan begins to happen and the people recognize that it's God's plan, all we really can do is just bow down and worship. That's, that, that's our God. That, that's the God of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And see, it, Moses was able to be a part of all the things that God wanted to do. Moses moved into the Saints Hall of Fame, was used by God um, was part of the transfiguration because God continued to pursue him even though he wanted nothing to do with God's plan. And praise God that he is going to continue to pursue me and you to accomplish his purposes because he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. And, and he's made us each uniquely us to do what he has called us to do. And you may be feeling right now like you're in this wilderness experience, but God is preparing you for what he wants to do in and through you. He's doing that today. And he's going to be doing it through your entire life because he has a plan that is a perfect plan. And he promises that he is going to carry out his plan. And he's going to prepare you so that you are fully equipped to do what he wants to do. And, and, and it's about him. If we can get this into our brain, it is not about me. 
See, we all listen to that radio station, WIIFM. Have you ever listened to that station? Uh, it's, it's what's in it for me. You, you just carry it with you, David. Carry it with you. We all listen to it. What's in it for me? 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 God says it doesn't matter. God says, hey, what's in it for the kingdom? What is it that I want to accomplish? What is it that is my eternal purpose for you? Those are the things that God wants us to be concerned about. And so often we're willing to trust things that we can feel and touch rather than trusting Almighty God. We're willing to trust people or things that we can kind of have some sense of control over rather than believing God can do the miraculous and God can do the stuff that He wants to do. And I tell you, God is working in your life. God is calling you. God is, is taking the initiative to get your attention. God wants you to be a part of his plan. God has a great plan and a great purpose for you, and he has some promises that, is gonna, that he's going to do to carry that out. You just see him opening doors, and you just keep going, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one. God has a purpose that's an amazing purpose, and he's promising that he's going to be with you. And he will continue to respond to all your excuses. He's good at overcoming objections. He's best at it, praise God. And, that, and he wants to use us. And here's the thing that's really awesome. God doesn't give up. God doesn't give up. Because, praise God, it's not about us. It's about him. And here's the thing I want to leave you guys with, is that God wants you to know him more deeply. God wants you to know that he is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he's the same today and yesterday and forever, that he loves you and that he died for you and that he rose again so that you could, you could um, experience the power of his Holy Spirit. And God wants you to get to know him more deeply. You know how you get to know him more deeply? Spend time with him. Listen to him. Receive from him. And let me tell you, the most fierce battle you are going to face is your battle with your relationship with the living God because the enemy does not want you to know God. He wants you to know about him. He wants you to know all kinds of cool things that, that he did at one point in time, but he doesn't want you to know him. He doesn't want you to trust him. He doesn't want you to walk with him because you're lethal when you're trusting and walking with God. He wants you to be paralyzed by your past. He wants you to be going, yeah, but I tried that. It didn't work. He wants you to be using your experiences and what you can feel and touch rather than the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God to do miraculous things. He does not want you here on Sunday morning. Praise God you got here because he doesn't want you here. Satan will do everything he can to keep you from being here because when you come here, you get equipped to do stuff that's going to be lethal to him out there. So he's going to fight you there. He's going to fight you relationally. He's going to keep you from wanting to read the Bible. Everything's going to happen when you go, hey, I need to sit down with the Lord. Man, everything, the phone rings, the sink starts leaking, the kids start fighting, the boss calls. I mean, everything happens. 
Sunday morning, man, why are the best football games on between 9.15 and 1 o'clock? I don't know, but it always is. Why do you always get annoyed with each other just before you're ready to go to church, you know? It's just that the enemy just does not want us to come. Does not want us to come and be equipped and be empowered. Because if we come and we're equipped and we're empowered, we are going to do some damage. See, Moses took the people from Egypt to the promised land because God pursued him. It wasn't Moses, it was God. Moses was a tool. Moses used the tools that God had, that God used the tools that Moses had. He wants to do the same thing with us. But, but get to know him. Don't be paralyzed by your past. Be set free by the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you...